All right, guys, welcome back into another PGA DFS video. My name is Eric Paul Zing. Going to be getting into the John Deere Classic, the course preview, the top picks, the core plays, and the lineup approach here. Uh, and as you guys know, this is typically the sweet spot for 9 to 5 sports where it's a lower caliber field event. You kind of have to earn the week. So I'm pretty excited for this event. And also given the fact that this is the one event that I've went to the most in my life, you know, it's not too far away uh, from where I grew up. Got to see Steve Stricker won a bunch. Uh, was there for Jordan Spieth's win. Uh, he chipped in on Saturday on a par five for an eagle. Uh, and PGA Tour just had to capture this awesome photo of a fan in the crowd. He's just clapping. He just has a massive bicep just showing, and they just want to capture that moment. Um, that fan was me. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, uh, what, eight years ago probably now? Might have to dig up that photo, but just fun. You know, it's a fun event. It's a Midwest course, and that, that's really what I enjoy about it. It's, it's a course that is a little bit tree-lined. The rough can be a little penalizing, uh, but really it just comes down to you're going to be successful if you're just playing good golf. If you're hitting drives in the fairway, you're hitting greens, and you're giving yourself opportunities to make birdie. That is really all this course is. And typically speaking, anyone can play well. So it is a tournament that I am excited for. All right, so before we get into the picks for the John Deere Classic, just a quick recap of last week. Last week continued a nice stretch that we've been on really for the past, I mean, 2022 season, but really for the past three months now. It's been kind of easier to, I don't want to say easy to cash in, but you know, I always talk about you make the correct decisions week in and week out, and it's going to yield the results in the long term. And we're seeing that come to fruition here, uh, whether it's a slight edge here or there or big edge, uh, kind of like last week where it was really easy to get. I don't want to say easy to get, but five out of six across the cut line. Um, a lot of members of nine to five had that six out of six was not out of question. Unfortunately for me, all my six for six builds seem to have uh, Lucas Glover or Joel Damon. Sometimes in both, I had a lineup. My best lineup actually had Joel Damon and Lucas Glover who combined to shoot 20 over par. Uh, I, I silly me for thinking that lineup had a chance to take down the GPP, but you know, really it's just, it continues the solid stretch for the video. Last week, I gave you guys Xander and Patrick Hanley as core plays. Brian Harmon and Brendan Steele were two players that I thought were really strong plays that I gave to you guys as picks. And then Tyler Duncan was a clear-cut value play that I thought would make the cut and ended up doing that. So, you know, big edge. Uh, Xander was our 11th outright win of the season, which was pretty awesome. We're up big there um, outright-wise. So I know it's not as much as last year, but it's still pretty awesome to be, you know, what, 80% of the season done and have hit on at least a winner in 20% of PGA Tour tournaments. You know, that's pretty cool. Uh, but let's get into the John Deere Classic here, guys. So just real quick, touching on what are going to be the key stats for this tournament. So really, it, I, you know, I mentioned it's going to be hit the fairways, hit the greens, set yourself up for birdies. And we see that greens and regulation, really overstroking approach is going to be key. Uh, the top winners and the top uh, 10 players in the field have done really well in greens and regulation. Um, and then we're also looking at wedge game, which I was surprised by. But the last uh, four winners... I've had a really strong wedge game. The average rank of the past winners is like 9.6 in that wedge game, which is just going to be, uh, you know, 125 or less there. Uh, we see good drive percentage over driving distance by a pretty significant amount. Uh, you can either look at birdie or better percentage or birdie to bogey ratio. Really, either or is going to be fine. I'm looking at birdie to bogey ratio here this week because you can make some mistakes here. Um, if you do struggle to make any birdie on a par five, you're not going to do well. That's pretty much the same as every tournament, but nothing really huge for like total driving or ball striking. We do see strokes game putting pop up a little bit more than it typically does, especially for winners. So this is kind of, I don't want to call it a putting contest week, but it really can be that type of week. So, all right. So getting to just the best course history here, we'll just 
recap it real quick. So we got Lucas Glover, Charles Howell III, Chris Stroud actually popping up there. Um, Adam Svensson, one start, so we don't really count that too much. Patton Kazire, Patrick Rogers, Zach Johnson, Vaughn Taylor, Ryan Moore, Nate Lashley popping up there, Sam Ryder popping up there. Uh, Steve Stricker, I will as well. I want to throw out there, you know, over the last four starts here at this tournament, he still ranks at top 15. Obviously, he won this tournament multiple times in a row. Um, he has good course history as well. And then just going over recent form as well before we get into the picks, just highlighting it. We can see Adam Hadwin is going to be in the best recent form. Um, Christopher Gotterup. I, I butchered that. I know he's been a popular name out there, but Chris Gotterup. Um, playing well, actually. So, you know, 35th, 43rd, 87th, and 7th. That kind of tells you all you need to know about this tournament and this field. Uh, we got Danny McCarthy popping up there, Salute Tagala, C.T. Pan, David Lipsky, Webb Simpson, Mark Hubbard, Brennan Todd, Adam Long. Like, just not that many good names that have good recent form. So that is going to be the interesting part about this week. And then just let's get into specialists real quick as well, just kind of seeing who's popping up there. Cameron Champ is the top specialist in the field, which is kind of crazy. Uh, some other names that are popping up there are going to be Adam Hadwin, Salute Tagala, Taylor Pendrith, Brennan Todd, um, just a bunch of guys that are popping up there as well. So... Uh, interesting stuff there, but let's get into the picks for this week. All right, so getting to the first play, I do think Webb Simpson is going to be kind of, he's obviously the highest price player in the site, but he's not priced up too much. He's only you know in that 10K price point range. So if he is truly back, and that's really the question you have to be asking yourself, is Webb Simpson back? Because if he's back, we know he's the top player in the field. Plain and simple, um, the consistency long-term, and also just kind of the staff hit that he is. You know, top five staff in the field, Top 10 in recent form rank, and he hasn't really played all too well this season, guys, and he still ranks out top 10. That kind of tells us all we need to know about this tournament. I guess the worry with him would be that he doesn't have course history here, but when you think about Jordan Spieth, when you think about Lucas Glover, when you think about Brian Harmon, Steve Stricker, all these past winners, like Webb Simpson is a better version of those players. I'm sorry, Steve, uh, but he just is, okay? So, like, he's kind of the ideal play and that's why he's the highest price player on the slate. But as price point, it's not like we have to fade him because he is still going to be a great play. Um, another play that I do really like is going to be Adam Hadwin as well, kind of for the same reasons, uh, but he is the best in recent form. Like once again, this tells us all we need to know about this tournament. And that recent form is really coming into some of his starts a while back where he was having top 10 finishes mixed in there. Um, we can see like a few months ago, like what, let's see what, four top 10 finishes mixed in there. Um, one of his recent ones, and then the other ones were a little bit further back. So we might be catching him on the upslope of good form. Now, the problem with both Webb and Adam Hadwin is that they don't have that course history that we'd want to see. Now, I'm not saying that's the end-all be-all, but it definitely would have been another encouraging sign to see them have that. But, you know, if Webb is very similar to Steve Stricker, uh, where, you know, great course history, I would say Adam Hadwin is very similar to Zach Johnson in that style of play where, you know, he might not win, but I do expect him to make the cut and I do expect him to have a good tournament. So, you know, those are the two kind of standout plays. Obviously they're the highest priced players on the slate. Okay. Sleep to You guys can go back to the well with, if you want um, a little bit risky of a play um, at that price point, but I do really like Charles Howell the third. Once again, going back to the players that we've seen be successful at this tournament, that's going to be a player like Charles Howell the third, uh, you know, pretty good recent form, uh, you know, but he's a really good enough staff it, I guess, if you will, uh, let's look at the course history here. So I'm going to click off a of recent form. So course history-wise, he's made four starts here, or three starts here in the last four years. And I should mention, guys, we do have to look at 2017 for course history. 
um, because they didn't play this tournament in 2020 due to COVID. Okay. They just decided to cancel it pretty much then. So yes, we are pulling in a little bit less relevant of course history with that H4 stat. That's going to be 2017. It just kind of is what it is. Um, kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Um, but we can see course history wise, 23rd, 6th, and 19th. Like, honestly, guys, if we can lock in like a top 20 finish, which it kind of seems like we're going to get from Charles Howell, I'm okay with that. And as price point, he's not like too priced up to the point where it's going to absolutely hurt you. And that, that's one of the things I like about him this week. All right. And then another player that I just want to touch on because I just, I really like their price point. is going to be Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings to me is a very interesting play. He's made three out of four cuts here at this tournament. One of them being 18th place finish and then one of them being a top 10 finish. You know, I love that from him there. If we look at his recent form, it's kind of the same as that. Like if we're trying to focus on a guy that we're, we can capture the upside with, you know, that could be Scott Stallings here where last week he had a top 10 finish. We looked three weeks or four weeks ago, he had a top 10 finish as well. No, he's not the best play, you know, recent form rank only 41st in the field, course history wise, 31st in the field, stat rank wise, 25th in the field, but top four or top 15 pick in the nine to five mile. Like that's decent enough. It's definitely more of a high risk, high reward type play. Like don't play him in cash, but a decent play there at that price point. I think there's other plays that we could go with, but you know, Scott Stallings at that price point is definitely a play that is going to be intriguing to me. All right, so like after those guys, like I do think Charles Howell makes sense as a core play for this video at least, and I reserve the right to kind of change this as the week goes on. It's kind of like last week where it, it is going to be a risky week, and I just kind of need to get through the full thought process before I specifically say someone's a core play. But for this video purposes, for your guys' purposes, I'll call them a core play. You know, I, I think Websense and Adam Hamlin are great plays as well. And now we get into like the kind of risk reward type plays where Patrick Rogers, to me, he likes makes a lot of sense. We can see his course history, 23rd, 43rd, and second place finish. Um, key stat-wise, could be a little bit better there. And once again, the key stats for this week, we got accuracy as key stat one. Um, could be a little bit better there. Um, hasn't been good with the wedge stat, but he has been really good in effective birdie to bogey ratio in the field, fourth best in the field. And then we look at good drive percentage. Could be a little bit better um, there as well. Just not that good there, but... His last two starts have been made cuts at 31st and the 18th place finish. And his missed cuts haven't been terrible. The thing about um, Patrick Rogers is he only ranks out top 25 in the field. That's not that good. Nick Hardy is going to be an interesting name. I think a lot of people are going to be on him. His uh, ownership will probably be a little bit too high, but he hasn't been playing well. And, and the thing with Nick Hardy that I want to call out here is something I tweeted out as well. If you guys aren't following me on Twitter, you know, make sure to do so. Um, link is in the description below. But Nick Hardy... Um, recently played at a Corn Ferry Tour event, just I think it was north of Chicago. He's an Illinois guy. He, uh, I think he lost in the playoff or, or he finished second place, but he had a hometown crowd following him. Okay. It was pretty much like going to this tournament, seeing Zach Johnson, seeing Steve Stricker have this huge crowd following them. And that could very much be the case with Nick Hardy. And just based off of that Corn Ferry Tour start, it does seem like that is something that he values, that he responds by well with. You know, some players don't respond well with having a crowd around them. They get the nerves get to them. But eighth place finished last week, 14th place finished the week before that, 35th and 41st in his other two PGA Tour starts. Like a good enough play, but he is still risky. Like 65% chance to make the cut is not great. Like I'd much rather go with someone like Adam Long. And I almost want to make Adam Long a core play as well. His recent form has been pretty solid. Um, given the field, you know, I kind of say it with the asterisks here because it's, it's given the field quality, but we can see. 
Um, over his last start, 25th place finish. Um, his second start, 21st. Miscut, 35th, 67th, 15th, 106th. Not that good there. Miscut there, 12th, 35th, and then a miscut. So, you know, a little bit too many miscuts mixed in there, but he does have good course history here, and that's going to be the key thing with him. You know, only the top 40 staff it, and that's the thing here with this week, guys. Kind of like last week as well, where we're going to have to sacrifice something. You know, this is the ultimate kind of golf week where if you're putting well one week, your driver is going to be hurting you that same week. If you're putting well or if you're driving well, it's going to be your putter the next day or it's going to be your strokes gained approach, you know, whatever. Nothing ever clicks all the same in a golf game for well, golfers like me, I guess. But the point is here, it's like this is the week that we have where if someone has good enough course history, good enough recent form, they're not going to have, they're not going to be a good staff fit or like with Webb and Adam Hadwin where, you know, elite plays, they don't have course history. That's just the nature of the beast this week. Like we have no one checking all the boxes this week and that's what makes it difficult, but that's also what makes it fun, you know, because you have to really dive into it to find these top plays. Uh, so getting back into it here, I do like, you know, Patrick Rogers, Nick Hardy, Adam Long, Brennan Todd does make a lot of sense to kind of bounce back. So uh, course history wise, Top 18 finish, miscut. Uh, key stat wise, pretty good. Uh, he's going to be a top 20 staff fit, top 10 recent form rank. You know, ranks out top 10 in the nine to five mile. You know, you would imagine he'd be a great play. He missed a cut in the number last week. Some people are going to be worried about that. But prior to that, 13th and third place finishes from him. You know, he should be a solid play. Uh, CT Pan, I do want to go back to the well with, but I don't think we have to push it. You know, that, that's the thing I want to call it. We don't have to push that with him. And then Ches Reeve. To me, Ches Reeve is a very interesting play because if we were to go back into this recent form, um, and we just wanted to look at, you know, recent form average over the last five events. He'd be the best in recent form rank over the last five events. And that's, that's also why I like to look at kind of long-term as well, because here, we'll show you guys right here. If we went, uh, the last 10 events, not that good. And the last 15 events really bad. And that's where sometimes being too zoomed in and lead to people making poor decisions. And that's why I like to look at 10 events because we're factoring enough starts we're kind of factoring out that variance enough. Um, but I do think at his price point, it does make sense. You think about a tournament that would fit his style of game, it's this tournament. So like he does make a lot of sense to me. If you guys want to play him, you can. Um, he'll be someone that I'll, I'll play a little bit of. Um, there are just a lot of quality plays in this low tier price point tier. Like Kevin Streelman, he has Illinois ties. I could see him playing well. Um, you know, 25th place finish last week. Maybe that's enough. He has a miscut and a top 10 finish here over the last four years. Like I could see him playing well. John Huff. John Huff is a core play. This is the tough part about this week. Okay. John Huff sucks. I'm sorry, John Huff. That that's mean. He doesn't suck, but it sucks that he's popping. I, I will admit that. So we can look at his last three starts, 13th, 25th, 12th. That's, that's nice, but after that, you know, miscut, miscut, 42nd, miscut, 41st, 62nd, and 66th place finishes. So, like, really not good stuff there from John Ha. Recent form rank, 44th, but the nice part about him as a play here, and we'll get into that, is stuff like his course history. So he's made two starts here, a 50th and a 7th place finish. Good stuff there um, stat-wise. He actually ranks out pretty well stat-wise. We'll get into the key stats here. Um, click on those. So key stat one is going to be the accuracy stat, wedge stat. Um, let's see which was key stat number three. EBT, effective bird to bugger ratio, and then good drive um, percent over the last 10 weeks. 
you know, ranks out pretty well in all those 35th, 20th, 33rd, 45th. So like good enough play at his price point though. That's kind of where he makes a lot of sense as a play. Like he's a good enough play at that price point. Um, I'll be taking the risk on him, I guess, if you will. Um, will he be a core play? I don't know. Probably just going to be a high exposure play. Um, Adam Shank, two straight top 10 finishes here. Um, I talk about sometimes maybe a miscut is a good thing. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Adam Shank, but he has been playing good enough golf for a while now. Like 89th place finish, obviously that's not great, but you know it's kind of like, oh, well, like good course history here. Like you get enough play, I guess, if you will. Uh, we go lower here. Like Nick Taylor, decent enough play. David Lipsky, a really strong staff at Mark Harbour. Do you expect to play well at this tournament? Steve Stricker, I do like a lot as a play. Steve Stricker is someone that has been playing well on the corn or not on the on the Champions Tour there. Almost won their major last week. Obviously, spectacular course history here. Doesn't rank out terribly, actually. Still a top 30 play. Like I expect him to make the cut. So like, like that's good enough for me. Taylor Pendrith is someone that's really popping up here as well. Three straight make cuts in a row. You know, good enough staff hit. He's actually a really good specialist, 30th in the field. So, like, good enough play there from him. Nate Lashley is extremely interesting to me. And last week I was kicking myself for not playing him. He is extremely popping. Third best staff in the field. Okay. Crazy. Really is. Accuracy wise, sixth best. Wedge wise, 28th in the field. Um, doesn't make many mistakes. Ranks sixth in effect in effective birdie to bogey ratio, and then good drive percentage, twenty third in that. So like pretty good stuff there from Nate Lashley. Like if you end up on him at his price point, like it makes a lot of sense. He's a strong play. I like him a lot. Like you could easily go out of your way to play him. And then from there, like just a bunch of good enough plays. We'll get into some values here, and then I'll be wrapping this thing up. So like Hayden Buckley, I don't mind two straight make cuts in a row. Okay, staff hit, uh, you know, top 36 in the field. You could roll with him if you want to. That's going to be up to you guys. Um, going a little bit lower here. Something like Vaughn Taylor to me makes some sense. You know, top 10 in um, course history rank, three straight make cuts. You do worry about the recent form a little bit. Not that good, but he has made two straight cuts in a row now. Like good enough stuff we can see is like missed cuts. Haven't been, I guess, completely terrible. He's a good enough play. Like, I expect him to make the cut. Has a 53% chance to make the cut. Not great. And I, I don't think we have to go this low into the value tier. Like, you don't have to go that low if you don't want to. David Lingworth, I can see him making the cut. But I do like Sean O'Hare, who's been casually catching my a decent amount this year. Um, three straight made cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. Hasn't played all too well in the Corn Ferry too, though. Do want to warn you about that. Had a top 12 finish at this event last year. So take that for, you know, whatever you want. Uh, and really after that, it's just nothing pretty guys. Um, so real quick, we'll give you a first look build and then we'll begin out of here. All right. So obviously we'd want to fit in Adam Hadwin and Webb Simpson into a build if we could, like just try to lock in two made cuts and probably two top 10 finishes. And I would love to fit in Charles Howell. You know, we're just not going to be able to do that. But let's just try to do this real quick with Webb Simpson and Adam Hadwin. So, you know, I do like John Ha a decent amount this week. Top 10 play. Um, let's go a little bit lower here. Let's find maybe Pendrith and Nate Lashley. Like, can we make that work? Maybe. Let's see. Lee Hodges is an okay value play as well. Just throwing that out there. Um, Vaughn Taylor is going to be one over. 
Lingmurth, maybe. Um, Sean O'Hare, sure, for now. Like, a decent build here. Not great, but this is kind of like the struggle with this week where last week I felt, like, pretty good about getting at least one value across the cut line. I'm not sure, like, Sean O'Hare is going to make the cut, and then we're getting risky with John Hutt, with Nate Lashley, with Taylor Pendrith. Like, those are good enough plays. If you want to roll with that lineup, you can. It's, it's perfectly solid. I do think going with kind of the fair and balanced approach will be a strong route to go with this week. Because, like, all in all, like, Patrick Rogers should make the cut. You know, pretty pretty good player. Um, CH3 should make the cut. Like, at those price points, it's not too crazy. Adam Long, I do really like as a play. I don't know if I call that Adam Long. I think Adam Long is, like, borderline core play here. And I keep saying this. Like, guys, I don't know if I'm going to have a single core play on my player pool this week. And that's kind of how I, I go about my week is I break it down. Core play, high exposure play, mid exposure play, low exposure play. And they're just kind of like lineup fillers. I don't know if I'm actually going to have a core play in the sense that, hey, play this player with complete confidence. They're going to make the cut and they're going to get a top 10 finish for you. I don't know if we actually have that this week. And that's where I'm like struggling to say core play. I'm struggling content wise here. Let's tell you guys, this guy's a core play. But Adam Long might be that case just because like, look, you can see here, course history rank, top 25, recent form rank, top 10 which is crazy for this tournament. Once again, stat rank, not good. Not checking all the boxes. Still ranks out top 20 in the field. Has a pretty strong make-up percentage, and that, that's what I'm hanging my hat on this week. Um, I guess we'll go with John Ha. Don't love it. I'm just going to keep saying that. Like Steve Stricker, do we expect him to make the cut? I do. I don't know if you guys do. You can play him if you want to. Taylor Pendrith, you know, pretty good there as well. And that's kind of the struggle with this because that you kind of just go with, you start with a certain few players that you really like in a build and then don't go get married to the rest of the build. We're typically, it's all about lineup process. This week is all about kind of just finding different lineup paths that will work kind of the same as last week. Let's see here though. Like Ryan Armour, I don't get how he has such terrible course history. This goes back to where very close to checking all the boxes, like Ryan Armour, very appealing at this price point tag. Kind of same thing with Chess and Hadley. I'm not going to play Chess and Hadley, but like Ryan Armour, if he had good course history, I'd be all over him. Zach Johnson's been terrible. Ryan Moore, I would love to be on as well. Like Ryan Moore, a spectacular course history. He made four straight cuts in a row. He's a decent play. I'm just not going crazy with it. And I know I've gotten to way too many picks here. This is not helping you guys out, and I apologize. But just trying to give you guys a good view of like what this week is because it is a crazy week. And that's kind of the problem with trying to find plays this early on in the week. Scott Stallings is way too much. Defending champ Lucas Glover. We could go with Ches Reeve. Let's put in Ches Reeve. 400 left over, good enough build to start off with. Uh, not a good 6 first, 6%, 69%. That kind of tells you all you need to know about this week. Um, pretty good recent form rank, pretty good in course history average. Stat rank, good enough. Mal rank, good enough. You know, that's a good enough build. But that's all I have for you guys. You know, trying to figure out who I'm going to be on outright-wise. We'll see. That video is going to come out on Tuesday morning. So by the time you're watching this video, it might already be out. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. Very interesting week. Um, I'm kind of excited to do the deep dive nine to five write up. Um, if you guys are members, it's there for you guys. If you guys want to become a member, it's ten dollars a month. You know, the deep dive write up that I'm talking about consists of pretty much everything you need to know for that week's tournament without having fluff. It's about like a 18 minute read, which is you know, it's long, but I stick to what's useful for that week. Um, and that includes like outright bets, matchup bets. 
um, a breakdown of like the players I'm going to be on for that week. So sometimes it's like five players per pricing tier. Um, then I get into the lineup process, the cash plays, the player pool. Um, I get into the players that are over-owned, under-owned. Um, that's all going to be there for you as well as all these tools that you see here um, on this video. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. If you did, please give me a like, subscribe. If you guys want to join 9to5Nation, best value in PGA DFS, $10 a month. All right, thanks for watching, guys. And as always, let's keep cashing.